All right, well, there are going to be um, several verses we go to today, and I'm going to just give an intro here on the strategic plan while we complete our offering this morning, but you can have your Bibles open to the book of Acts. The verses that we go to are going to be in the book of Acts. What is a vision and what is a strategic plan? Let's talk about that first. Um, When it comes to our series right now in the book of Acts, it's called Let's Go Change the World. In Acts 17, 6-7, here's what it said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also saying that there is another king, Jesus. So this is the those in the first you know, century who were seeing the gospel's effect on the mighty Roman Empire, they said they've come here too, and they're turning the world upside down. Hey, they were changing the world. And we're asking the question, how is Christ going to change the world through us? He's doing it. How is he going to do it through us? So uh, this sermon today is going to be very different. It's a vision sermon. It's based on principles we have already studied thoroughly verse by verse in God's Word. Next week, we'll get back to what we do every week, where we're going verse by verse through a passage. But this week, we are applying what we have learned. We're also looking ahead. This sermon today is about the future, the next three years of gospel impact in our church and around our region. So last year, our elders began working on a bold vision and a three-year strategic plan for our church. We completed a church health assessment. It's called the 360 Review. And the health assessment, they give you a report. It's an outside organization that does it, Soul Care Consulting. And that, uh, they talked to over 25 leaders at Anchor Church. And they come in and they say, here's how you can become a more healthy church in the next three years. And they give you these recommendations. We started with the question, how can we be a healthy congregation? And then we also gathered feedback from 147 respondents to our all-church survey. I hope, how many of you filled out the all-church survey? Raise your hand if you made your voice heard. I hope you know that not only the questions that automatically get recorded, but all of the write-in questions, we went through them and we, um, we figured out what you were saying when it comes to feedback. 147 people filled out the all-church survey. So we listened. We also invited the church to pray for the Lord to direct our efforts as we planned. We used a few key resources to uh, make our strategic plan. For example, our partner organization, Decision Point, used to be called the National School Project. They get the gospel into the local high schools. You've seen what they do. They came out with a uh, three-year plan before COVID, one of the few organizations that I know of where the plan they had was so good that COVID made it better. Like they gained more ground than they thought because they had an incredible strategic plan. So we modeled our plan after theirs. So we use some key resources like that. We also um, are, this is entirely springing out of our study in the book of Acts. And there's also a book written by a Navy SEAL about Navy SEAL leadership strategies that we are applying as well because they're very um, appropriate to this. So those are the key resources that we use to put this together. So today I'm presenting to you a bold vision Uh, for the future of outreach, and then also a comprehensive three-year plan to strengthen discipleship at every level in our church. I want you to catch the vision. I want you to see that you have a vital role to play in this plan, and I want all of us to trust God to do the impossible in our community. So let's pray before I share this with you. What a big day this is, Jesus, because to the best of our ability, we have worked for months 
to look ahead. For so long, we felt like we couldn't even see what the next day would hold on this crazy planet. Now we have a three-year vision. Jesus, we pray that by faith, as we commit our plans to you today, that they would succeed, that you would do more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine because you are at work inside of our hearts. Jesus, we know that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Use us to advance that heavenly mission over the next three years. Give us understanding today how we can all work together to glorify you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, here is an overview of the strategic plan that's going to be available online after the second service. Don't go looking for it now. It's not there yet. You've got to listen to me. But the strategic plan, um, it has seven parts, and each of these parts has a one-page summary, and then from those one-page summaries will come hundreds of plans and goals and initiatives. But it starts with an identity plan, We'll embrace a biblical identity and a philosophy of church. We know who we are as a church. We know our distinctives, our core values. Those things are not changing. I'm not getting up here today and saying, we've got seven pillars. You know, we have our four pillars. We have our four W's. And we're doubling down on uh, a doctrine that is orthodox. We're doubling down on uh, what our key um, traits are as a church. We are who we've been, but we are going to be that church in a more biblical, vibrant way. Why is it important to have an identity plan? Because if you don't know who you are, there are a lot of people who are going to want to change you into the type of church they want you to be. And so we have to know who we are as a church, and we have to help people assess, is this a fit? Is this the kind of church they're looking for? Do we learn and grow and enhance and improve? Absolutely. But we don't change the fundamentals. So our identity plan, number two, a prayer plan, will delight ourselves in the Lord that he would give us the desires of our heart, and that's going to flow throughout the whole three years. Number three, we have a staff and leader development plan. We'll recruit and develop godly spiritual leaders and staff. Nothing gets done if you don't have people in charge coordinating things. Number four, ministry and assimilation plan. We'll strive to present everyone mature in Christ. That covers what ministries we offer and what we don't. There will be new ministries we can offer. Uh, we, can, we can always explore new opportunities, but we want to strengthen every ministry that we currently offer. Number five, a healthy community plan, which involves soul care, correction, conflict resolution. We'll cultivate a holy, mature, loving community. Six, we have a local, regional, global outreach plan. We'll go and make disciples of all nations. And seven, a business and operations plan. We will be wise and generous stewards of God's resources. Now, that uh, entire strategic plan is going to be available online after the second service. If I talked you through that, we'd be here for three days, okay? It is a comprehensive strategic plan. But here's the thing. I am this morning going to share with you the vision. What's a vision? The vision is the picture of the desired future, starting with the end in mind. Not the how, not the 5,000 things that we're going to be doing. It's the wow of, wow, can God really do that here through us? Getting the picture of the future is going to be huge. Then we'll figure out uh, in, in the coming months how it's going to happen. So the vision is going to be a thousand day plan and uh, you might say well a thousand days is shorter than three years the way it works is there's a lead up and then easter weekend we are launching the thousand days and then the thousand days will run 
And then when the thousand days is over, we have some time at the back end to reflect. When you add all of that up, it becomes a three-year plan. But there's a thousand-day initiative in, uh, in the heart of it all. Now, the vision can be broken up into two basic pieces, into what's our vision in here and what's our vision out there. You can jot this down, number one. What's our vision for in here? What's our vision for in here? Inside these four walls, where are we going? What are we building? We had 300 visitors come to church last year. As they come, what are we inviting them to be a part of? When it comes to the scripture in Acts 2, uh, verse 42, we are going to review a passage that we studied in depth. We are learning from the early church community what church is supposed to be like. And in Acts 2, verse 42, you can look there right now, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, I want that. I want that. I want that to be able to be lifted straight out of Scripture. And if people visit our church and there's, all right, what's that church like? I want it to be like exactly like that. Now, maybe not the signs and the wonders because I'm not an apostle. Okay. But the rest of it is so priceless. So we want to become in here the congregation that God wants us to be. Don't you want that? Don't you want to go deeper in knowledge of God's word? Don't you want to pursue better relationships with people who know you and care about you and love you? And not just for you, don't you want the next generation of Christians to be raised on sound, solid doctrine, to be prepared to share their faith in a world that's hostile? Don't you want that? Don't you want that in here? Don't you want to keep going for what God has for us? I want that. But there are problems. Jot this down. The three biggest problems in the church today that every church will, will battle would be this, worldliness, division, and pride. Worldliness, division, and pride. If we want to get where God is leading us, we must understand how these can challenge us, and they will. Worldliness, you see it, Christians are often like the world. Often Christians talk like, think like, live like, love like the world instead of like the Lord Jesus Christ. Their way of life is contradictory to the Holy Scripture. And it's in the church that worldliness pollutes the congregation. This brings in sin, but also apathy, distraction, false doctrine in the church. And then when it happens, those outside the church look inside the church and say, well, aren't they a bunch of hypocrites? They're just like me. And the world is right too often. Worldliness is one of the big problems in the church. Division is another one. Christians fight over everything and anything. Remember the sermon last week about trying to get along? There was a consultant who listed all these things churches fight about. The vacuum cleaner, the potluck, or the pot blessing, as it should be called. Do you remember that one? Big church fights over dumb things. There's division. There's division. People develop agendas. They get hurt too easily. They get petty. They draw lines. They go isolated. 
They form cliques, they build walls, and then the family of God is full of division and drama, and we are distracted from fulfilling the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we don't grow up in the faith. We stay in our spiritual pajamas, and we, we lounge in the kiddie pool, not moving on to maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a big problem in the church. And then pride, especially among the leaders. Huge egos in our day build their brands and their towers to Babel. Sadly, some of them were exposed to have become predators. There's a great reckoning in the evangelical world going on right now because the leaders have failed the church. And it all comes from pride. They were greedy for gain. They were lusting for power and for women. They were drunk on themselves. And the watching world is scoffing at the circus that the church of God has become right now. It is a circus in the headlines. These are huge problems. That's why we need a vision for who we're becoming in here. Well, what is it? You can jot this down. Here's our vision for in here. We are building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. We are building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. This is what we see in Scripture, a quality of discipleship where each person is moving forward individually and in community. We're building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. I'd love for you to memorize this. And if someone, you see them at Aldi and you're talking to them and they're like, oh, I don't have a church. You don't have a church. You should come to my church. Well, what kind of a church is it? Oh, oh listen, we're, we're building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. Do you know that's what they're longing for? Do you, know, do you know that's what they're longing for? Do you know that's what you're longing for? Do you know that's what heaven is longing to see right here? Notice it's a quality of discipleship that is our vision. Do we have plans for expansion? Do we want to grow? Do we want a quantity of people? Yeah, it's not our vision. It's not what we're obsessed with. It's not what we're fixated on. We want, if we take care of the quality of discipleship, God will take care of the quantity. You're not going to hear us beating drums about, you know, let's become the biggest thing in town. Blah. How about we become a holy, healthy, humble, spiritual community? That's where people want to be. That's the vision in here. In Acts 4, 32 to 35, we see the quality of community that was happening here. Acts 4, 32 says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I want you to gasp when I read that. Okay, I'm going to read it again. Now the full number, thousands of people, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. It's the biggest miracle in the book of Acts. Forget about healing a finger. They all were getting along. Where did that power come from? Heaven. No one said that any of the things belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The love in this congregation was unbelievable. It was out of this world. That's what our vision is. We're building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. This is, by the way, what God's people are longing for, too. So 147 people filled out the all-church survey. Here's an overview of the main things people said. You can put that summary up there. Um, the main things people said when we asked, looking ahead, what do you think our top three to five priorities should be as a church? Number one, opportunities for discipleship, spiritual growth, and leader development. Forty-five times that was mentioned. People want to be discipled. 
They want to grow spiritually. They want to go uh, forward in faith. Number two, a greater effort to reach out locally and globally for evangelism and service. Now that is the second part of our vision. That's what the whole second point of the sermon is going to be. Number three, emphasizing stronger relationships in community through fellowship and soul care. 31 times that came up. This is what people are longing for. Number four, finding a worship pastor and strengthening Sunday worship. Amen. Number five, focusing on the next generation by discipling children, youth, young adults, and helping families. That's our top five, according to you. And those are all worked into the strategic plan, and they're also found in our vision. We want to build a holy, healthy, humble, spiritual community. And that's in accordance with our priorities. Jot this down. What does it mean to be holy? Well, turning from sin, going deeper in knowledge and love for Christ. Turning from sin, going deeper in knowledge and love for Christ. How do we do that? Well, we will strengthen and expand opportunities for deeper discipleship and leader development. This is what we want. We want to be challenged. We don't want to go backwards. Anchor Bible Institute was one of the biggest things we ever launched last year. Huge success, studying doctrine on Monday nights, Anchor Bible Institute. We want to expand it. We've got a vision for that becoming not only one class every semester, but maybe two, and then forming an on-demand library so that if you miss, you know, the class we offered last year that might not come back for three years, you can go online and you can go through it on your own. So we want to put resources into your hands to help you move forward. Holy, turning from sin, going deeper in knowledge and love for Christ. We especially want to strengthen our discipleship to kids, teens, and young adults. Here's a slide from our survey where we ask people, when did you get saved? How old were you when you got saved? This is, and the survey spits out these results, right? When did you accept Jesus as your Savior? Check it out. Early in life, uh, 31%. Teenager, 15%. Young adult, 16%. Okay, I'm not that great at math. But 31 plus 15 plus 16 is about 62%. Am I right, math people? It's about 62%. All right, thank you. Over 62% of people who filled out the survey were saved before they even hit middle adulthood. Middle adulthood was the next 26%. Only 9% of people uh, got saved in late adulthood. What does that tell us? What does that tell us? What does that tell us? We have to minister to kids, teens, and young adults. It's when most people will get saved. So we have to up our game there, and we have to understand that if we don't have a plan for them, the world does. You know this, right? I hope you know the world is preparing to destroy the faith of our children. You know that, don't you? You know that, don't you? You know they're putting plans together, budgets, media, resources to destroy the faith of our children. You know that, don't you? Please don't be oblivious to that. It's time to stop believing in Grandpa Boomer's old mythical book, children. They'll be told it's outdated, it's irrelevant, it's too extreme. You should leave it all together, but if you're still going to hold on to all that nonsense, at least keep it to yourself. That's what they're hearing. That's what they're hearing in high school. That's what they're hearing at college. That's what they're hearing when they get a job. We have to teach our kids how to defend their faith calmly and courageously. Apologetics is going to be a big part of that. We're going to start young. We're going to expect that little kindergartner to tell us why they believe Jesus is Lord. Teenagers as well. And young adults. Most adults are not confident in defending their faith. We're going to change that. I'm actually not afraid for our children. I'm afraid for those who try to stop them. 
because the Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hey, Goliath was the one with the giant problem on the battlefield, right? Goliath was the one who was going to die, and he didn't even know it. What did David have? What, what came against Goliath? All right, there's three things, right? What were the three things that came against Goliath? David, God, rock. That's what your kids need. That's what my kids need. That's all they need. I'm not afraid for them. But we've got to get after it. Imagine if in three years we said for a thousand days, Lord, make us holy. Make us holy. Make our children holy. Make our teenagers holy. Make us holy. Imagine what would happen in here. Can you see it? Jot this down. Healthy. Setting aside selfishness and strife and going deeper in love for each other. Holy, healthy, setting aside selfishness and strife, going deeper in love for each other. Pastor, that sounds like you're assuming there are selfish people in here who are going to cause strife. Yes, and I'm one of them. We're all selfish. If we don't have a plan to set aside our selfishness and our strife and to go deeper in love for each other, then it's going to get dramatic. Individually and in relationships here, we want to be a loving community, don't we? Don't you want to feel like this is a place where it's safe to share your struggles? Okay, just tell me right now, if for the next three years you just want all of us to agree to fake it. We're just going to pretend to be perfect. Just tell me. Is that what you want? It's going to be so much easier if that's what you want. We'll just pretend to be perfect. We'll judge those who aren't. We'll all fake it and we'll act. That's not what you want, right? That's not what you want. Who wants that? It's a lot of work to act perfect. How about we go for more than that? How about we build a church where help is waiting? Where we tell people it doesn't matter what you have to share. If you honestly help, open up, we can help you. What if we said we're going to resolve conflict, no matter the severity of it, in a mature biblical manner? You don't understand what she did to me. We're going to resolve it in an upright biblical manner. What if we made that commitment now? And for three years we actually did it. What if we genuinely loved one another? What if we made everyone feel like they belonged? What would it mean if the love of heaven ruled this congregation? That includes gospel love, reaching across all racial and ethnic barriers, loving those who have different backgrounds from us as family. That's heaven's love. Anything less than that isn't worth it. There's a few slides from our survey. You know we took this seriously, right? So how did people feel? They feel like they belong. How connected do you feel at Anchor? 30% of people said, I feel very connected. I have many solid relationships. But 30% is like, meh. 40% said, I feel connected. I have some solid relationships. All right, 70% of people feel pretty well connected. That's still okay, but 25% said, I feel loosely connected. I have a few relationships. Well, I'd like to do better than that. About 5% said, I feel pretty disconnected. So 30% total who filled it out aren't really feeling the connection they should. That's a problem. What if we said, let's try and make that number go down and let's make the number of people who feel connected here go up? It's a quality of discipleship. Do you know life is better with a church family? I know if you've been hurt in the past, you're like, no! But in your heart, you really know it's true. And that church family has to be working on getting healthy, staying healthy. Imagine if for three years we said, Lord, make us healthy. Lord, make us healthy. Do you think he's just going to eliminate all the barriers to that? Uh Uh-uh. But what if we said, Lord, make us... Do you see how this vision is very practical? There'll be a hundred times in the next three years we can come back, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity 
to become more holy. You know what this is? This is a chance for us to be healthy. And here's the third one, humble, humble. Humble, lowering ourselves in Christ-like service to God and others. Lowering ourselves in Christ-like service to God and others. So last year, I had to get healthy. I had like four flat tires emotionally. I had my own six-month growth plan that I went through. Learned a lot about unhealthy patterns of sin and pride and weakness and how to be more empathetic with others. It's very humbling to say you have to get healthy. That was me last year. Maybe it's you this year. I want to be a church full of healthy, humble people. In particular, I want our church to be full of godly, humble men. Godly, humble men. The men in the world right now are in total crisis. Do you know that? Do you know the men in this world right now are in total crisis? There's articles being written about every metric that shows that men are not healthy, they're not humble, they are really, really struggling. I'm thankful that we're in a great season of men's ministry right now at Anchor Church. In fact, do you know that for the first time in our church history, our men's ministry is actually stronger than our women's ministry? It's true. We had 52 guys at our men's prayer breakfast yesterday morning. We've got a men's conference coming up. Some women are not happy that they lost the lead and fell behind a little bit. <laughs> oh, please. You went 12 and 0. You were schooling us forever. Just give us one, all right? And you can get back to your gold medal status. We are, one of our top priorities is to rebuild our women's ministry leader team. That's why we're kind of in a pause there, but it's coming along really well. But let's talk about the men. Men are in crisis all around the world and especially in the church. And I need you to know, men, if, if you get around me in the next three years, I am going to cover you in napalm and throw matches on you until you catch fire for Christ. All right? Watch out because the men in this church are going to be humble and fervent for the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with the men. It starts with the men. Listen, you are not dropping back 10 yards and punting this to everyone else around you, all right? We are coming for you. You will grow and you will be humble. This is what heaven and earth are longing to see in the church. No slacking, no sleeping in, no stopping. We're going to give it everything we've got in here, in here. Can you see it? Can you see it? That's the vision, part one, our vision in here. All right, now let's talk about the vision out there, our vision out there. Number two, let's talk about our vision out there. What is your current vision for the Chicagoland region? Here's a picture of Chicago, a beautiful picture taken by a realtor from a drone. It's our city, third largest city in the nation. When you look to the future and you think about what could be, what is your vision for out there? I know what you're thinking. I want to leave. <laughs> I'm going to move to Indiana or Arizona. All right, for the next three years, do not complain to me about living in Chicago. This is our mission field, all right? This is our mission field. God has huge plans out there, and I want you to have a bigger vision than subtracting Chicago from your horizon. I want to see a great awakening to the gospel in Chicagoland. Don't you? You don't think it's possible, do you? Here? Have you seen the news? Have you driven up and down this? Here? You honestly don't think it can happen. In Acts 1, 6 to 11, here's what it says. Acts 1, 6 to 11. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's really hilarious. The disciples are like, is the great commission over? Can we become kings now? (laughs) He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guess what? Chicago is in the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them, these are angels in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So time is short. We have our assignment. Jesus is coming back soon. We need to go out there and reach people with the truth and the love of Christ. And we have a bold vision for how we're going to do that over the next thousand days. Thousand days. But there are big problems in the world that we have to be aware of. This is why we go, jot this down, the three biggest problems in the world. Three biggest problems in the world. People are haughty, they're hurting, and they're hopeless. People are haughty, they're hurting, and they're hopeless. They're haughty. There is no fear of God anymore. None. They are shameless in the depravity. Whatever brand they choose, there is no fear of God in the world. You make up your own rules, and the world will be cheering from you. And you can find on TikTok and Facebook and Netflix a glamorous version of the sinful life you embrace. People are haughty. They are hurting. People are hurting. Listen, it's not working for them. You know that, right? It's not working. By every measure, it's not working. And so they're hurting. They're lonely. They're depressed. They're battling disease and sickness, whether because of their own sins or foolishness or just because they're mortal. Divorce hurts families and children. Suicide is among the number one causes of death for large age groups in the middle age range. Overdoses are rampant. Violence is exploding on the streets. We are the most high-tech, wealthy, educated people in history, and what a mess we are making with the planet. What a mess. And this should cause deep empathy in our hearts because they're hurting and they need the help that we have for them. It's not enough to shout at your TV screen or mourn and lament, well, they deserve it. They need help. They need help. They don't have what you do. And so they're haughty, they're hurting, and they're hopeless. They're hopeless. Uh, Without Christ, they're going to die and they're going to hell and they're going to be in eternal conscious torment. Okay, it's hopeless for them. This is their heaven. This is as good as it is ever going to get for them. That should break your heart. That should break all of our hearts. That they don't have hope. They need the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees imploring them to stay. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. We have to get out there, and we have to share the gospel with them, and we are not doing anything close to what we could be doing as a church. I got to grab my visual aid now to show you what our vision is. Our vision, it's way over here. 
the camera people are not going to be happy because I'm way off camera right now. So Pastor Stephen and I put this up in his office several months ago. This is a map of our region here. This map goes way back to when we first launched the church. And for those of you who aren't here, we have some pictures. Let's put that first picture up there of the map zoomed in so you can see what I'm talking about. The cross right here is Anchor Palis, right in Palis Heights. What we did was we said, all right, where are we as a church? And so we put little black dots all over to represent where Anchor Church is. And post-COVID, a lot of turnover, a lot of new visitors. We didn't even know where Anchor Church was. So go ahead and zoom out one on that slide. Show the next slide. So what we came up with here was what's, what's the region of our reach? And you can see all those dots that are, you know, out there. And, and then we realized that we have about a seven-mile radius as a church. We are a regional church, and we have about a seven-mile radius, uh, which is a very widespread area. And you can zoom out one more. And so if you get the whole map, you can see 355 over here, 294 cuts through here, 57 is over here, I-80 is down here. We are a regional church. There's a tool online where you can go in and, and you can like map this out and draw like a line around a whole area, and it tells you how many people are in that area. So we did that. We said, well, how many people, if there's a seven-mile radius, how many people, we called it Anchor Lake. <laughs> Anchor Lake has a seven-mile radius, so how many people are in Anchor Lake? You know what we learned? We learned that there are half a million people in Anchor Lake. Half a million. This is, this is where we are. Our boats are out there in the water. Half a million people in Anchor Lake. Do you know that that also is comprised of 40 different cities? If you add them all up, we did this. We're like, okay, write them down. Oak Lawn and Chicago Ridge and Bridgeview and Bayless Hills and Ginley Park and Orland and Burbank. We did it. 40 cities, half a million people. From this, we came up with a vision for out there. And you can write this down. I left my Bible all the way back behind my visual aid, so i got to go get it. But you can write this down. Here's our vision for out there. Out there, we're reaching half a million people with the gospel in 40 cities over the next thousand days for the glory of Christ. I'd like you to memorize that, too. What's going on in there? Oh, in there we're becoming a holy and a healthy and a humble congregation. But guess what? Out there, do you know what's going on out there? We're reaching half a million people with the gospel over the next Thousand days in 40 cities for the glory of Christ. You're doing what? Yeah. Now, I know some of you are like, how are we going to do that? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got a lot of ideas, actually, but really, to, to give all of them the chance to hear the gospel, uh, no clue. Uh, but a lot of good ideas to get started. I'm sure you'll have a lot of great, great ideas, too. But the point is, this is our lake. Show that next picture, too. And then we've got some outposts out there. We put, um, yeah, that map. So we've got some people who are outside our, like our main concentration is a seven-mile radius, but we have outposts all over. People here, people here, people here, up by 290. We've got people over here, west of 355. Uh, and then, you know, down here in Mokina. We believe that you're there for a purpose. We believe that God has something there for you to extend the reach. So this is Anchor Lake, and there's half a million people. Our goal is to give them all the chance to hear the gospel over the next thousand days. Um, we want to think big. Why? 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 Because uh, we want Chicago to know there's a great God in heaven above. Amen. That's why. That's why. 
That's why. We're not doing a great job reaching out. That's why we want to go out there. We have a few slides from the survey. Uh, go ahead and put those up there when it comes to outreach. We said, how do you feel about sharing your faith with others? 18% said I feel confident and courageous. 48% I see said I feel confident and often courageous. I share my faith consistently, but you know, about 30% said I feel pretty unprepared. I don't share my faith very often. 30%. And then here's the next slide. When it comes to inviting people to church, I think we've got one more slide, do we? About inviting people to church. Maybe we don't. There we go. Uh, how are you doing at inviting people to church? 17% said they've invited many people to church this year. 46% said they've invited a handful. Get this, 36% of people said they didn't invite anyone to church last year. So we're not doing a great job. I would love for those numbers to all go up. I'd, I'd love for everybody to say, I've invited many people to church this year. 100%! Right? Why wouldn't we aim for that? We've got so many ideas. We're going to start small, challenge people to pray for their neighborhoods, their neighbors, and then invite people who they live by to church. We know that there's a problem because since we're a regional church, we know that once you get outside about that three-mile radius, there's a very slim chance that if you're like way up here near Bedford Park, if you like put a door hanger on somebody's door and it's like, come to church in Payless Heights, very unlikely they will because it might seem too far away for them. So what we're going to do is we're going to have definitely an outreach to get people to church, but we're also going to launch an online hub for evangelism. Um, we did last year leading up to Easter an invitation campaign called Find God Again. Do you remember this? Maybe you, are, you went out, you maybe handed some of these out. That was our theme last year. So what we did was we said, well, let's take Find God Again to the whole region. Let's turn that into our online hub of evangelism. So what we did was we searched and we realized that findgodagain.com was available, so we bought it. So now we own Find God Again. Uh, down the road, this is, this is for later, but with also findchurchagain.com was available, so we bought that too. But anyway, we're going to start with Find God Again. Okay, so we own this now. And what we're going to say is, look, if you're out here, what we would recommend is don't go out with the Anchor Payless invites unless it's somebody you know. Uh, we're going to use findgodagain.com as driving everyone, 500,000 people. We just want to try and get them here because once they're there, it's going to be a highly evangelistic website. They can get saved that day. They don't have to get up off the couch. It's going to, testimonials are going to be there. A gospel track is going to be there. If they want to find a church, that'll be there too. That's often a different burden for people. I'm ready to find God again. You ready to find church again? No. Okay, let's just talk about God. We'll get to church next. But we want people to have the opportunity to find Christ. This is going to be the primary way we do it. So our goal is going to be basically over a thousand days to, to carpet bomb this whole area and to try and get people to visit the site. That's going to be our online hub for evangelism. We also are going to do service projects out in the community. We're going to have a presence in parades. We're going to offer backyard Bible clubs. There's going to be hundreds of ways you can get involved. Can you imagine it? This is a picture of the future. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine if for a thousand days we said, let's get after it? Let's give half a million people the opportunity to hear the gospel. Let's get out there today. Let's invite some people. Can you imagine if you, there's no growth in the comfort zone. You know that, right? So can you imagine if you stretched yourself and you're like, all right, let's get out there and invite some people to church. What if you were courageous enough to have a little study in your home for your neighbors and you said, hey, we're going to do a four-week find God again if you want to come. What if you did that at your job? We want people to have a pioneering spirit to get out there with the truth. 
Now, of course, we have a global plan, too. I'm not covering that this morning, but when you go online and read the strategic plan, you'll learn about Ukraine, Scotland, Uganda. India is coming online. Very exciting stuff. I hope you can say, shortly by memory, our vision in here. We are building a holy, healthy, humble spiritual community. I hope you'll be able to say shortly our vision out there. What are you doing? We're reaching half a million people with the gospel in 40 cities over the next thousand days to the glory of Christ. You in? You see how it's a picture of the future? It's wow. Could God really do that? Could he do that? Finally, the third point's very quick. This is your chance to make a difference. This is your chance to make a difference. This is where I share with you that this is a golden opportunity that you have to truly buy in for the next thousand days, in here, out there, not to be a bystander, not to hide in the forest, not to be like, I'm going to get my bucket of popcorn and watch this. It's going to be exciting. No, to get in the game. No bleachers, no bench. You're in the game. This is where I'm inviting you to own it. The plan is not to get Pastor Stephen out there with 500,000 invitations and get busy, right, for a thousand days. Bad plan. Bad plan. Even if he had Ezra with him, you know, people would be like, oh, this is a cute baby. He's not going to get it done. So we are, this is going to require that we mobilize God's people like never before. This is your chance. So jot this down. Be informed. Read the strategic plan and watch the videos. Our small groups for the next eight weeks are going to go through um, videos unpacking each section of the strategic plan. That's your curriculum. This is a great time to get into a small group. If you want to get into a small group, Stephen will get you into a small group. These videos will also be posted online, though, so you can watch them, even if you're not in a group. Then, discover where you can add strength and stretch yourself. Jot that down. There's going to be people who, while I was talking about in here, you were like, yay, I want that in here. And then when I started talking about out there, you're like, not my thing. All right. Maybe some of you, when I was talking about in here, you're like, yeah, that's good. But when I started talking about this, you're like, hello, yeah. Your strength is either going to be get me out there or get me working in here. That's fine. Let us know that. Let us know that. Hey, I want to be heavily involved out there. But then you can't overlook your weakness. You can't be like, oh, in here. You got to own both of them, okay? In here and out there. So discover where you can add strength. And stretch yourself in your weakness. And then jot this down. Pray boldly as we prepare to launch Easter weekend. So remember, the thousand days doesn't start till Easter weekend. This is all preliminary. This is all we're educating. We're rolling it out. Easter weekend is when we, we're going to have a countdown clock like in the lobby. A thousand day countdown clock. We're going to start that Easter weekend. And do you know how cool this is? If we start the thousand day countdown Easter weekend, do you know when a thousand days ends? New Year's Day. 2026, which means New Year's Eve countdown is the thousand day countdown. So we're going to have a huge New Year's Eve party here, non-alcoholic, to celebrate the countdown of the end of the thousand days. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So we've got a vision. We've got a plan. Three years out there, in here. Let's go change the world. Why not? C.T. Studd said this as we close out. Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. Hey, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we commit all this to you because apart from you, we can do nothing. Jesus, we can do nothing apart from you. 
So we commit this to you. We ask for your favor to be upon this. We ask for your blessing to be upon us. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, energize us out there to reach people who have no hope. They have no hope without you, Jesus. They have no hope. And we have all the riches of the treasure of heaven in us. We have the water of life. Lord, help us to go to reach these people with the gospel. I pray with confidence before we see it for the lives that will be transformed, the families that will be radically, drastically changed, the children who have never even opened a Bible once in their lives will be attending kids' ministry. I pray, O oh Lord, for those people who are thinking of ending it all. Get us to them. I pray for the violent, the wicked, the proud, the lustful, the greedy, the crooks, the gangsters. I pray for the drug dealers. I pray for the people who think they're good enough to merit your favor forever. All of them. Help us to reach them. In here, Lord, make us holy because you are holy. Make us healthy because the church is divided. Make us humble, O oh Lord, because we are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. Jesus, we love the thought, three years from now, of celebrating everything you will do. And by faith, we believe it will be more than we could ever ask or imagine. We commit all of this into your mighty hands, Jesus. Amen.